All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Natty News Daily Podcast. Dan and I today are joined by Andy from Pro Prep Coaching, also the founder of the WM, WNBF UK. I was actually just telling these guys I have not had my coffee this morning. I'm going to mess something up. It's already out of the way now, so let's dive right into it. <laughs> Should I be the uh, intro guy for this? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, careful um, what you wish for, though. Yeah. So, Andy, we were talking off air real quick. You guys just had your first timers event. And you know what I think is the most remarkable thing? The last time that this group sat down and chatted was with the initiation of the WNBF UK. We were talking about how you guys were starting that, why you were starting it. And now here we are. And you guys have just held this event that was the largest event in the UK, probably the largest natural event on your entire half of the globe. So let's dive into how you made that happen some of the back history in that and maybe some of the struggles you guys had just for uh, for for the athletes that don't really see that. Yeah, no, of, of course, we're happy to do that. First things first, guys, like thanks so much for, for getting us on here as well and, uh, and supporting uh, the WNBF UK by having us on this podcast and allowing us to, to come on here and, uh, and to, to chat about this. Um, James, did you say it was like 7 a.m. your time over there? 7 a.m. Yep. 7 a.m., yep. right? I mean, we can all have sympathy for you. I, I don't know if I could do a podcast at 7 a.m. Definitely not without coffee. So we're going to make it happen. <laughs> but yeah, the, the WMBF UK, last time we were on here, it was all, it was like a total whirlwind. We were, we were talking about like, okay, um, we've just taken this on. Um, it's, it's getting set up. This you seem more calm and head. You seem more calm on the surface, at least when we talked, than maybe maybe all the so, internal stuff that was going on. I, I don't know if that's just my general demeanor, or I was just confident that was going to go to plan. Maybe, maybe it was hubris. I don't know. I think you were confident. <laughs> yes. Well, the thing is, I mean, I've I've been involved in bodybuilding since two thousand six. Yeah, so I've done a lot of shows myself. I think I've done about thirty shows. This year will be like my eight for nine pro show or my tenth season. And I've been like helping out at shows since like 2008. I've seen every single aspect of that. And um, I mean, what's the expression? Don't pat yourself on the back too hard or you'll break your arm. But like, I've done a lot of stuff in my, in my life. Like I've done a PhD and I've taught classes and I've run events. So I was like, I can pull this off with uh, with my partner, Steph. She's a competent person. We run a business. We can make this work. We, we know how it's, how it's going to, it's going to go down and uh, we have our own sort of flavor of natural body but like i think everybody's got their own sort of ideas and stuff and we just thought let's get the team together of, of the people that have got similar values and then um, ethos to us and and we can pull this off so i mean it was a big ask it was it was a big deal i don't think people realize like i think there were maybe thinking that there were schemes and things like that going on behind the scenes but when the previous promoter um was kicked out of the WNBF because that's what really happened. Um they're they're left a void and he he sent out the the um the email saying like guys we're now doing this you can come on board and we we're like we don't want to do that because we want to stay with the, the WNBF and like literally we made the phone calls organized it all and set up a website and stuff like that literally in the space of like three or four days like with no sleep or anything like that. So like it maybe looked like there was some stuff going on behind the scenes but we were just super passionate about setting it up and and we set set the objectives we're like well what, what do we want it to be about we want it to be about um the athletes for the athletes we want to give them great stages we got want to give them a great experience so that they keep coming back and they feel valued and that that goes from the guy who's at the top or the girl who's at the top all the way down to the the, the person at the 
who's maybe not placing as well, because bodybuilding is for everyone. So we wanted to give that to, to people as well. And we wanted to be stringent on the drug testing. So those were the key things we wanted to do. And man, there, there's so many moving parts. It's like spinning plates with so many things. And it was a stress. So like at the time, it was far away. But I think me and Steph are more last minute people. So we're like, yeah, we'll get that done eventually. And we'll do this and do that. <laughs> but they, they, we, we pulled it off and it was amazing. I mean, it was the biggest show in the UK last year. And that, so that, that was saying something that we managed to make our first show the biggest event in the UK last year for, for natural bodybuilding. Got awesome feedback. We took a team to the, the Worlds um, from there out to the World Natural Bodybuilding Championships. I think we had 20, 25 guys. And uh, I mean, they killed it. They, they did so, so well. I was so proud of, of every one of them, how well they did. And they represent the UK. And we, we took home some medals. And then uh, a year on, we just ran again the, the biggest event in the UK this year, 150 athletes. I think the next biggest one's got 100 athletes in it. So like the WMBF UK is here. Uh, and then we're gearing up for the Supernaturals. That's at the end of the year on the, the 9th of October. Super keen to get as many people into natural bodybuilding as possible who, who want to do that event to come on and, uh, and challenge themselves for that WMBF Pro Card and the opportunity to potentially go to, uh, to LA. So we, can, we have to guard against complacency and everything like that. But I, I've, and it's, there's a lot of things still to organize, but we, we can pull it off because we've got a great team of, uh, of people around us. I've said a lot, guys. There's a summary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Leroy. Kind of on the, <laughs> What's the, up? <laughs> the depth of the talent pool. Hey, Leroy. What's going on? Um, we've talked off air about, you know, just the depth mm. and the number of athletes and the passion for bodybuilding within the UK. What I, Relative to other areas, the United States, Canada, all over, it seems to be like, you know, insane over there um with with how you know how passionate and how many athletes are coming you know out out of the uk and and doing really well and you know what what do you think drives that kind of a tangent question i I don't know it's 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 a funny thing isn't it um do you know it's a different culture that around sports in america to to the uk and it's something i've often thought about i mean because you guys have got that really strong collegiate um sports space i mean dan you're wearing like a collegiate top it looks like yep. already Notre Dame yeah. football yep yeah ex- exactly so you've got yep. all these sports and you've put people through all of these programs and, and everything like that and and the big sports over there are what like football basketball american um, american baseball. football to clarify for the yeah, viewers yeah. <laughs> association's golf cart. and i don't know if it's just that that those sports pull more athletes um and and more athletes stay doing those no sports than doing the um doing bodybuilding compared to the, the uk or it's maybe like a difference in in values because i'm sure around the us you'll see this just like in the uk but the north of the uk is probably more popular for for bodybuilding um, and those sort of sports than the, than the south and I've, I've spoke to sociologists about this and they've sort of said well it's maybe to do with sort of like working class traditions. The guys like to lift the weights and stuff like that. Uh, whereas in the South, it's more middle class. And the guys like to um, the guys like to go on bikes and they like to cycle and stuff like that. But, but whatever it is, yeah, they, the guys over in the UK, they take it super seriously. They, they want to do well. And I think, I think they, the, the amateurs in the UK take it more seriously than the, the amateurs in the US. I, I think that's fair to say. And I think that's what produces those strong talents that, that come through. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the other thing is since the draw of the IFBB side of things over in the US is so overwhelming. I was gonna that, I was gonna touch on that. Yeah, like speaking maybe for, that's it. Speaking well, what for, do you like, guys think? For like Canada specifically, um, like the IFBB and then the Canadian amateur stream for the IFBB, like that's kind of the only route mm-hmm. um that's like big, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've told these guys before that when I went and competed within the WMBF in the States, people were like, Why are you going to the States? Like there's like a show locally an hour away. Um, but it's within the IFBB, the CPA and stuff like that. Right. And that's just nothing against them. It's just not where my, you know, competitive yeah. desires were, but I think that that can maybe deter people if, if they only assume that there's like a, like an IFBB pro card at the end of it. And then with that comes like maybe the thoughts that you have to take steroids and you have to go enhance mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe that deters people. Um, whereas in the UK, I mean, the, the drug tested side of the sport over there even is massive, right. Between, mm-hmm um you know the amateur and the pro side like there's a ton of very very good athletes that are you know drug free that anybody would look at and go holy shit that's impressive i feel like there has to be a part of it that's the geography too right like the u.s is just such a massive place where if you're not in one of these hot spots for bodybuilding you might not even know about it right think of how many gyms are in your your local town and i'll tell you I didn't even hear about natural bodybuilding until I was in graduate school because it was all sports and before then for me, kind of like what we're talking about. But I can tell you, you know, five or six like good bodybuilding gyms in the US right off the top of my head. I can probably say the same thing for the UK just from watching social media. I mean, it's like there's a hub and then there's multiple hubs. And if you're in one of those, I mean, it's just that's the environment that you're in. So it kind of draws you in whether you know it or not. Yeah, James, I, I think I totally you're onto agree. something. And Andrew had alluded to kind of that blue collar mentality where yeah. that's where kind of bodybuilders tend to tend to be around. Like I live in a cushy little suburb and it's not really much of a bodybuilding culture, but like I've traveled to to North Jersey for, for work and the amount of legit gyms within like an hour radius is insane. It's, yeah. it's like a list of like 10 hardcore, fully decked out, legit culture gyms. And it's like, man, I have like maybe a couple around me <laughs> and I train at home. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's different, but yeah, yeah I think, when I think, I, that's when I think of, uh, when I think of like good gyms in Canada, there's uh destiny or what was it called? Uh, West coast iron. So that's in Vancouver. That's where a lot of the big guys will go when they do the Vancouver pro. There's one in kind of near Toronto. There's one in Ottawa. So the capital and like, like as far as actual like bodybuilding gyms, like that's like three in our entire country that I actually am aware of. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, there's definitely like a hub thing for sure. The, the other thing mm-hmm. that's worth mentioning is there's a really, there's a totally different culture around drugs in the US compared to the, the UK. And you only have to watch the TV to see that, that there's long commercials, you guys call it, about prescription drugs and, and all this sort of stuff. So. We're, we're definitely much less inclined to to perhaps just take something if we've got like a cerebral or a sore head or, or the doctor's less likely to prescribe something. And I think that just probably cr- creates a culture whereby people are like, okay, so I want to get big muscles. Well, I'll just go and do that. Whereas in the UK, it's like, well, we don't have that same culture around the, the drug usage uh, p- potentially. Plus, like you guys have got Hollywood and stuff. Like, 
you've got the beautiful people and people want that. There's definitely like that quick fix idea as well. So, I mean, I'm just throwing a whole bunch of stuff out there that maybe contributes some amount or not amount to, to that. But certainly the amateurs, I think, in the UK um, and, and Europe maybe take it that little bit more and more seriously. I think the stranglehold of the, the IFBB in the UK is not the same. Like the MPC has been around forever. In the UK in like the past 25 years, I think we've had three or four different organisations have ran that IFBB side of things in the UK alone, um, which there's not, a, what's the word? There's not that legacy in the same way um, to, or the, the, it's not an establishment in the same sort of way from, uh, from there. So yes, it's a fascinating conversation. And so there's some great guys um, competing this year. That The one that I think is probably the best is, um, he was on your page the other day there, is Steve McDonald. He's great. Steve is insane. I he's, um, <laughs> I've been training with him and I've known him since he was 16. And he's like, he just lives in the local town up the road from me. And then he moved to the, the town that I lived in. And so I've seen him forever, man. And he, he's just got, he's just put together and he's got that crazy mentality that he just kind of wants it. And it, it's rare that you see a guy who's a lightweight or as like a short stature class can actually hang with a middleweight and heavyweight. Usually like the, the good big guy beats the the great little guy. That's that's often the thing that we, or the cliche that we often see. But I think he's the one that I'd be looking out for. He's, he's the real contender this year for um for the top top awards in the UK. He's messed around with strongman and stuff too, right? Like yeah, he's, yeah, he's he a beast. That, yeah, he's a beast. Yes. <laughs> And he's only 27, if I remember correctly. He's young. Yeah, it's something like that. He's a, you know, he's got like, it's just like love on Steve McDonald's here. You'll like this. <laughs> he's, a, he's got records for powerlifting, yeah. strongman, he's and, uh, and he's very good at bodybuilding. He's a really good boxer as well, by the way. Like, he's a multi <laughs> Just kind of got it. He's put together. Yeah. So great, great amateurs um, as, uh, as well. I mean, the guy that won our, um, our first timers like Leo Luiz, oh, amazing, amazing contender as uh, as well. And I think along with Steve McDonald, those two guys are probably the best lightweights in the country right now. I love it. So, so let's let's talk the structure of the shows because we've mentioned it, we've yeah. talked about it, but for viewers that haven't before, right? We've mentioned first timers and then supernaturals. What's the differentiation? Who can go to what? Kind of what's the the hierarchy there? I'm glad you asked the question. <laughs> that's that's good. <laughs> So a first timers, anyone that's never done a show before, that was our first timers event. And actually, just as a, a little bit of a an exclusive, we've got our first timers next year is taking place on July the 16th, guys. So anyone that's listening to this, if you're thinking about doing a show for the first time and you want to do bodybuilding, you have to do it sooner or later. And I know Lyra, your your coach, Dan as well, like you, you know what it's like. You don't know where you stand until you get on stage. So you kind of have to do it at some point. So that's next year on the, the 16th. And that's for anyone that's never done a show. So you can be a first-timer in any division that we, we offer. So that goes from bodybuilding to men's physique to bikini to um, to fit body and all the divisions that we offer. There's also a novice championships at that particular contest as a, as well. And, and for anyone that is a novice, guys, do as many shows as you can when you're still a novice because the place to get your feet wet is not in the Mr. Classes, <laughs> it's in the novice. You gotta earn your spars there. So first timers, anyone that's never competed before, we'd love to have you. And then the Supernaturals, that's our national championship. That's the one whereby the, the best of the best are gonna go there. We gave out um, a whole load of um, 
entries as well at our first-timers to competitors who did really well at the first-timers. And they'll do well at our, our national championships as, uh, as well. And that's the big one. That's the one like, okay, you do well here, then you get the pro card and the opportunity to go and represent WMBF UK at the World Championships. And that's the, the, the WMBF, that's where we all want to sort of go and test our metal against the best in the world. So that's the elite pathway from there. Um, who who so, yeah, won uh, Who won last year's bodybuilding, Andrew? I know I remember Josh won men's physique. Who won bodybuilding? Leon Mitchell. So he's the poster boy. You might have seen him on the, the poster. He went to the Worlds and, man, it, I think he was up, was he up against Vada? He might have been against Vada. That, <laughs> oh, that's damn. a tough yeah here do you know that guy's story i don't know don't, don't, don't know too I'm much now tell you this because you'll like this while while we're on this podcast that guy is hardcore right those guys from nigeria they are you think you're hardcore he showed me like pictures of himself like lifting like scaffolding pole and concrete weights oh i've seen i've nigeria. seen i think yeah. on facebook because sometimes when i go on like to post on the natty news page I'll go to someone's Facebook account and I'll just start scrolling back because you can yeah. find some really like hidden gems in there. And I remember seeing stuff like that. He was like curling like cement stones. Yeah. Like it was nuts. We'll have to get bought on. Me, right? Yeah. He told me he broke up with his girlfriend, right? And he slept in his car for six months and just kept training and eating. And then the church funded them to go out to the States to what? go and like compete in the world. Right. I, like, you're no, you're not as hardcore as I, whoever you are. He's doing, he's got a level of resilience that you just, you're struggling to beat. Guy's crazy. Yeah. He's such a nice man as well. Anyway, I, bet, so that, I bet he didn't track his macros back then. <laughs> he did not track his macros. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that the supernaturals, that's where the, the elite guys are going to, and girls are going to compete. That's where we're going to give out the, the pro cards for those events. And then take a team with us out to uh, to compete in the, the world championships. And I mean, incidentally, the European Championships—they're in Germany this year. They are uh, the Valhalla Open, I believe it's called. That's on the thirtieth of October. So anyone that's a new pro or whatever, they, they're they're more than welcome. I'm going over there to go and compete in that show as well. Um, and they'll be more than welcome to be invited to go over and compete in that German show as well at the same time. So there's uh, there's more than one international event you can do and um, we're not all made of money i think most people will probably prioritize that event over there in, in la but i'm super excited about that after we do our uh, our event in uh, in october and it was such a good standard last year so keen to see who we've got um this year taking part i will say too, keep doing the massive cardboard pro cards oh you like really them yeah <laughs> Every, man, no everybody loves those things it's awesome it's the little things isn't it and for sure it makes yeah, i don't know it just feels special like the one show I did this past this past year, like it was like, oh, you, can, you you you'll get your card in the mail in like six weeks, and then like a show that I was following a couple weeks later, they did the massive pro cards. Or no, it was when the Vancouver show that I was like my backup plan if uh, the states didn't go as planned. And out in Vancouver, uh, Leo and them did the big pro cards, and I was like, ah, that's sick. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I I mean, next year I would love to pro show. I'd love to. And if we can do that, then I'm getting big, stupid checks on yeah. stage. Oh, yeah. Doing all of that. One That'd of them big cool. ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if you can cash it. I don't care. I'd, I'd parade into the bank with that thing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> They'd think I'm such a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
You can you're, like, your, oh, your, oh. your mobile banking app's not going to handle that one. You're going to have to back up quite a bit on that. Yeah. <laughs> you have a QR code on that. Yeah. yeah I just Set it up against on. the garage and then walk back. And... <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So so you mentioned you'd like to do a pro uh, pro show next year, right? Yeah. So is that kind of the goal? Multiple different shows, multiple different times, kind of expand on things, or do you like, you know, we've talked about Leroy. I mean, like a tiered system that Canada used to had versus like the U.S. There's no real qualifications for shows. Yeah. I mean, I what is what's your ideal? I guess. I guess the ideal is what you're describing there, which is, okay, you go from one show to two shows, from two shows to, to three or four shows with a, a tiered system like that. That's the ideal situation, but that takes time to put everything into place to, to sort of develop that from, a, from there. So in terms of the progression, I guess it's do one show, then two, try and get two shows bigger, pro show, and then go from yeah. there. But we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, really. We, we need to... And I was talking to my step this morning about this and we were saying like what we're going to talk about when we come in the podcast. We've done great so far. We, we, we really, really have. But like we can't get complacent and it's, it's not that easy to, to do all these shows. Like in terms of a tiered system, I mean, you probably need to have four shows to do that, to get a reasonable number of people that are going to do come along as qualification uh, for your finals from there. Yeah. And then like, financially it's got to, to make a lot of sense at the, the same time to, to be able to do the, the qualifiers as, as you guys might come to know in, in time uh, if you run your own shows. So th that would be the dream. That would be the dream, but getting the people in place, the right crew and everything like that behind you that, that buy into to natural yeah. bodybuilding that ethos and they want to be around other like-minded people as uh, it's important you get the right people there to do that, I think. And if we're halfway for crew, so maybe in the future, Maybe in the future, but it's, it's, it's a, a it's a double-edged sword, right? So like the yeah. way it was here is that we had regional shows. So that was like the, the cities. Then you had provincials. So that would be like Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta. So top three would qualify for provincials and top three from provincials will qualify for nationals. Mm. And that nationals pro card was awarded. So the one thing that it did, which is you know, something we've talked about extensively is that it kept the caliber, caliber high yeah. at these national events because you had two opportunities to, you know, I don't know how else to say this, is weed out the weaker athletes because the strong had to survive regionals, then they had to survive provincials, then they had to get to nationals, and then that guy finally gets his pro card. So yeah. in, in one vein, I, th I think it does a lot of good for the sport and that it helps make the big shows, you know, you're going to see a very high quality athlete whereas you know i was at nationals this year and there was some amazing talent up there but the talent pool was very broad because you only mm -hmm. had to qualify from one regional show which depending on the show you know we've all been to shows where maybe not the not a great athlete won but because mm -hmm. of who showed up in the numbers that qualification like it's not like they can't this regional show that could be a very different top three but they both have the same qualification yeah. so i think i think more organizations need to do that just to kind of preserve the quality of the sport and i think the people that are truly passionate about it like i had zero issue paying my way through from like a, a passion standpoint because i wanted to try to get to that level and prove myself whereas now you know you see people just like oh i'm qualified for nationals it's like yeah, but you're going to get spanked. Like, you know, it, 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 but I think it kind of gives people less 
less drive to do better because, oh, I qualified for nationals. Like mm-hmm. you did, but that doesn't mean you're national quality, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, no, I, I hear you. I hear right? you. I think, uh, yeah, I think it would do, I think it would do good for the sport, but on the flip side, I'm not dumb to the fact that I think it would potentially like, people would maybe be like, oh, well, I don't want to take that extra step. I don't want to spend the extra money and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, maybe you see the numbers dwindle a little bit, which obviously doesn't help things either, right? That's so it's what, I think common, it, right? I think it makes sure that the people that are finally awarded a pro card and maybe, you know, in a hypothetical, that show hands out more than one pro card, right? Like it's a super pro qualifier, like some of our shows are where every class winner gets a pro card. Then you've got more pros. But I think at the very least, the tiered system makes sure that the people that are making it to that end stage are committed to your organization and the sport. Because I've now, in three of my shows, been beat by somebody who's never competed. They won their pro card, and they have yet since to compete again. It was one of those like, oh, let me just do a show. Oh, look how easy this is. All right, I'm done. What's the new challenge, right? There was no... Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If it's, if it's that easy, right. And it's, you know, going through a contest prep is not easy by any means. They were, you know, well-deserving in their physique, but if you can, if it's a one and done thing, it kind of takes away from the whole journey of it all. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I totally, totally agree with you. Um, and in, in that respect as well, I mean, o- over the years, I've kind of softened to this. Like it, I, I totally hear what you're saying because other sports, what we're really talking about here is meritocracy, aren't we? Like, who's the best? Let's find out who's the best uh, from that. And some people are in the sport to do that. You've got other people that are one-hit wonders that are only going to do it that, that one time. And that's okay for them as well. And, and that's what's great about having a first-timers novice event and stuff like that at the, the same time. Um, I think one of the problems you guys have got over in the, the North America in general is the country's so vast, so, so vast. It throws up its own geograph- geographical problems um, in that traveling state to state to have some sort of tournament kind of structure that you guys are talking about, which has got obvious, obvious benefits um, in that. Whereas in the UK, or even even if you just did it in Europe, Europe, its land mass is not as big. And, and guys in mainland Europe will go from Germany to Belgium, to Spain to, to France, and no problem at all around that. You could go around that circuit and do something. So you've got geography going against you um, from, from there. I mean, the promoters, there's not as many of those athletes uh, once yeah. you go past the first tier for them to then think, right, can I make money back on the event? Because I need X amount of people in the event at the, the same time. So I sympathize from, uh, from that point of view. I can tell you though what I think Italy and Spain do though, and you'll be interested in this. They do what's called a casting. Have you ever heard of this? Mm-mm. So it's kind of like old school um, pre-judge bodybuilding. So, you know, with like the black curtain and stuff like that, and it's a case of like, okay, we, we're capping the numbers in this show, but 90 athletes, that's it, or 100 just for arbitrary. And they, they get uh, 150 people sign up, and they say, okay, well, send us some photos of you standing in front of that black curtain. Um, and then from there, like, okay, you either get in or you don't, because I either deem that you're of a caliber or you're not of a caliber, and I've only got 100 entries here coming at the show. So you are, again, for lack of a better expression, weeding out. Uh, the the non-elite people that you maybe don't want to to get in the, your show and, and that's again it's an idea that you could do there, there's pros and cons to that uh, of course uh, from there I mean from the, the athlete's point of view that gets weeded out maybe he goes ah oh, well maybe I'm not good enough or maybe they don't want me and, and then they take their monies elsewhere and you upset them or, or maybe they look at um, 
pragmatically and go, okay, this is something I want to do, like you guys are talking yeah. about, and the path I want to go on, I need to up my game and want to do do well here uh, as well. So I thought I'd throw that out there. But I, I totally see all different sides of the, the argument from uh, from here. Because you want the best. And like as fans, we want to see the best. Well, and that, that's something we've talked about behind the scenes, the three of us, we've talked about it with numerous people, is that like, yeah. how do we raise the standard of the sport? Like, how do we get these, you know, when we look back at the shows of old, and I mean, the top 10 of every class were incredible athletes. Like, how do we get that back, right? Is it some sort of like, casting system where like oh okay before you even step on stage we got to see if you're like of minimum standard is it yep. some kind of qualification tiered system where okay you got to at least get through one or two hoops to to get to the higher yep. level i don't know like if i if i'm an athlete and i genuinely want to pursue this i want there to be better athletes on stage okay what is that what do you require of me to do oh man you got you got to at least get through these two shows first before you even yeah. think about coming to this show okay game on right and like people can say the finances all they want but if you genuinely care about it like you'll save the money if i gotta wait another year to save a thousand bucks to do these two shows like i'll do that because i want to i want to test myself at that high level because i care right any other sport there's there's systems right like you, you know yeah. hockey here in canada right you have freaking junior hockey and you got middle hockey and you got school yeah. hockey and collegiate hockey and then pro like you gotta do it for 20 years before you even get to the level where you might make some money right mm -hmm. and now people are getting upset because man they want to cast me and then they're going to judge me in front of this curtain yeah we got to see what you're what you're all about right and it's just i don't know there there's there's got to be a way to bring the the caliber up right there, there's got to be a way to do it it's just figuring out the logistics of it oh. i think there's some obvious things you can do though for example like see if you just have less divisions that makes a massive difference like i had at my last show that we ran the super uh, the first timers event um i think we had someone like 60 men's physique guys yeah so we said right novice short medium and tall right we could have split that probably in seven classes or something like that we wanted but i was like I no, imagine being the extra medium class winner <laughs> well like, like some people do and, and there's an organization over here in the uk that goes like class a b c d e and f and g right and so they might have 15 athletes but they're spread against six classes so everybody's a winner that's how and that's definitely work. for Bikini. me like a business model that they're yeah. going with because it looks good for you to be a winner and you come come back. But like what, what we did, we were like, well, no, let's let's just have short, medium, and tall. And it ended up something like 17 people in each class. And then because of that, like it's competitive. It's yeah. competitive. Yeah. Like, and we, we made that decision. And guys are like, can we have a can we have a junior? Can we have a um a master's? I was like, well, the, the ethos of the class is on youth. Um, physical appearances in the body it doesn't really fit with the, the idea of what the class is all about so how about let's just go with these divisions and not subdivide it anymore and um, look, we could have had more bodybuilding divisions as well but right no no let's let's keep fewer classes here and that raises the standard there so I mean I think yeah. that's an obvious thing you can do and I see a lot of that at um, events or like why, why have you got so many divisions like from a spectator's point of view it's not exciting to see that many people as let's stop let's stop allowing as many crossovers to take place as well, and um, so we can keep the strength of it high at the same time. And, and I think those are 
those are things that I would suggest, which are easy for organizers to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been at shows where it's, you have to question like, wait, what is this class? Because it's the same, you know, we'll say same five people. Maybe there's one person that rotates in or out, right? Like debut, yeah. novice, open. Okay. Well, they were all the same, except maybe one of the guys didn't do the open. So why, what's, what's the point there? Right. So yeah, yeah I, I absolutely agree with you on that one. And we've talked about, I mean, just other aspects as well. And I don't want to dive into it too deep, but I mean, like how many world champions does the U S have? There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> meaning like other federations, right? Like everybody has a world champion. Well, are you really world champion if you haven't competed against the world or people within your own country, right? Or is it just a geographic champion, really? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, if you could get everyone together, work under the one roof and the one hemshi, and then pull it all together, then, then it kind of, you, you would get again more of that meritocracy that you're talking about. But the country's so vast, it does... Mm -hmm lend itself to pockets of things springing up here and there doesn't it like uh, like that so I, I don't have all the answers but i think having less classes makes a difference sub subdividing it um more if you can do, if you're doing a pro class if you can actually give out money like good money you'll attract the better athletes oh 100 you, you'll get the good ones will do it because they can't not do it because they're like no no there's there's prestige here and there's dough on the line and, and this other guy's doing it. I want to be him because I've got an eagle and we all have eagles. Mm -hmm. So like we, we want to do the best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw that last year. Uh, what was it? I forget the USBF show, but they, what was it? $5,000 to the winner, which was one of the biggest prizes in the USA think. I mean, there were people like act, athletes actively advertising it. Like, Hey, like I'm going to go for my shot at this. I've never competed with USBF. Who's the USBF. And then like all of a sudden they're like, Hey, we've got this big cash. Like, Come take it. Yeah, Brandon Wattis did a good job with that, kind of like mm -hmm. self-promoting. And obviously, we were more than happy to give him a hand with promoting that too, right? But it builds that, like a hype, right? It's like, yeah. man, this show is legit. If you got four or five guys that are, you know, th that that's where social media can be very helpful, right? Is like four or five guys that are posting all this stuff and you get invested in watching like, oh, shit, did you see like Buddy's shot today? He looks good. Oh, damn. But did there we go. All right, so this is going to be a bit of an interesting episode. We got cut off there because we haven't had enough of you guys support us, not us. Um, we're not cheap or anything like that. Um, and actually, in that intermission, we were chatting about all sorts of different things. So we're kind of all over the bit right now. Let's bring it back to kind of the hierarchy of natural bodybuilding, the scene of natural bodybuilding in the U.S. versus the U.K., and where we see the future of the sport going. Because obviously, you know, Andrew, you're a competitor. You're a promoter, owner of the WNBF UK. We like to think on our end that we're trying to do something for the sport. So, you know, as a collective, where do we see the sport? And I think this could be a good time, right? Um, Andrew, I think you've spoken about uh, Sam Okanola's post, right? Oh, we're yeah. all aware of it a couple weeks ago, right? Is natural bodybuilding dying or was he just trying to, to kind of stir the pot a little bit? No, he was pushing buttons. He, he was definitely... <laughs> <laughs> pushing buttons that was a poke the wind post i would uh come at and uh and and there and say that i mean guys like that they, he's a role model right he's got a responsibility um and he should be talking up the sport i would say and like i called him out on that steve hall podcast he should come over to the uk and compete like i want him to come over to the uk and see how vibrant and how great that the scene actually is and i'd love to see him go back on natural bodybuilding stages instead of really 
supporting the MP MPC and we don't have to get into what they're all about, but like you want to see your best guys compete on natural bodybuilding stages and, and really talk it up and encourage other guys to come and cross and, and do that. And with his post, I mean, you know what, maybe it created an interest and, and maybe it did spur on some some other guys to come across and do it. But I think it's more important to, to talk things up rather than to, to put them down and be positive about um, stuff mm -hmm. um, from there. Does, does that ask, answer the question? Because I think what you guys are doing, just talking about natural bodybuilding is a great mm -hmm. thing and promoting it and talking about all the um, different champions. And I think it's great that you are totally bipartisan like that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think personally... Um, when I first read the post, I was a little bit hurt, right? Because that's obviously like against what we're trying to do. Mm. Um, but what I do think it did do was create some very good conversation points for the people that took the time to actually read the comments, right? Because you had a lot of very well-known bodybuilders jump in there, talk about where they thought the flaws were, and then also point out where maybe for others that didn't realize it, um, others that haven't competed as frequently or who haven't competed at all, like what you're seeing as the, you know, quote, death of natural bodybuilding might just be circum, you know, circumstantial evidence, right? We've just yeah, come off yeah. some very bad situations in the world. People don't have as much, you know, free capital right now to be spending on, you know, recreational sports, as well as some of the shows that were referenced were very early in the year. And we know that a lot of competitors compete later in the year, right? Yep. So it, I think it helped people understand the big picture of where we actually are and raise points to say, maybe this is how we could improve as a whole within the sport. Yeah. I, I think that's a very nice summary. I, I just did to, to come back on that. I think you really need uh, the, the circumstantial evidence. I think you're, you're right on that one. I think you really need to look at things over a, a few years for a trend to see, is it actually in decline from there? It's certainly not in decline in the UK. Like I said, we've, we've mm -hmm. launched our, we had the biggest show in the UK last year and uh, we've already had the biggest show in the UK this this year and and all, all things going well hopefully we it goes from strength to strength to strength from there and, and you guys can can get your zoom subscription uh, sorry <laughs> yeah. sorry doubting that with enough guys uh, interested in, in doing it it's, it's not a dig um but like you got to put your money where your mouth is I suppose like for Sam mm -hmm. and if he's really if he really cares about natural bodybuilding and I'm not saying he doesn't because he's he's interested he's brought up at the question point like support it um, but go out and, and run your own show if you think you can do it better and then do it or go and support something which you think could be better than it is and, and help out and, and get involved because being involved in your communities is, is how we make a sort of difference really and that's how you can as an individual because I know we all kind of feel powerless at times but if you can help your neighbour or, or help make a difference in your own area for, for natural bodybuilding we're talking about here really then that is something that goes towards improving it and and that's i guess what he he could be doing that. and he's got influence he can be mm -hmm. saying things like i take yourself along to this show or that show or i'm going to lead the way and look how great you can look drug free and you guys can all do this as as well and that's why i'd say like he's gone and done that npc show but well i mean what other natural shows are you doing this year he might be doing others but i hope he comes across and and does uh the third one yeah, I would say next year. No, I, I love that point. And I think it, I think there's different topics within that point too, right? Like mm, we, one of the big things that we see, and I've heard it on many interviews by many top level natural bodybuilders and especially natural bodybuilders with um, companies behind them now, 
whether they have their own company or they're sponsored by companies say like, well, there's no, there's no money in natural bodybuilding. Yeah. Well, have influence over a company. The only reason there's no money in the sport is because nobody has seen value in the sport that has the financial means to make that happen yet. Right. So make it happen. And that's, that's something that we're trying to do, obviously, by spreading awareness, by creating relationships with companies and things like that. But I mean, if you are a top, you know, retired or a current natural bodybuilder, and you have ties to a company with means to support the sport, <laughs> do it, right? Leverage it, right? Because then you get the prize money, and then more people come in, more people come in. Now you've got more revenue to reinvest in the sport, and then the sponsors are making more money off of Know, doing what they've already been doing yeah and then on that point i'll give a shout out to my sponsors cmp we're super grateful for those guys for for helping us run the shows and the financial support that they give to us they've got a whole load of their athletes take part in the shows they've got their banners all over the, the stage and uh, we advertise their products on our um, on our instagram on our social media from a from there and and if anyone is a sponsor and wants to get involved in it i mean and you've got the capital and the expense and they would love to have you as as a sponsor and that's the way and i mean in which as you're saying that we can um, raise the profile and and go go from there but and i mean this this idea about money and volleyball like, this, this is not a new concept like you, you can read um books like muscle wars and go all the way back to the 60s and 70s where joe weeder used to say don't photograph the guys in their actual lifestyle, the fact that they work in my warehouse and they're not driving sports cars living in, in California. It was the guys that had a little bit more about them, like Arnold Schwarzenegger or the Dave Argon example, Bob Harris, that were businessmen that used bodybuilding as the vehicle to get themselves even more well-known. And um, I guess that's how you can potentially make money off of it in a different Sort of side of you. I mean, I get a lot of clients because they see me pose, they see my physique, and um, they see my achievements and say, I want to look like that guy. Like mm -hmm. he's got something that can teach me and he's got the knowledge as well at the same time to, to push me along. So th these are ways in which you can do it. And it definitely really, like, that inspires others as well at the same time. And it's good for, for natural bodybuilding. Does that answer a question or is it just more of a series of statements? No, I think, sure. I think that last sentence actually is probably a great summary, right? Lead by example. If we want to make positive impact you have to do it yourself yeah. you can't rely on other people to do it yeah i mean and at the end of the day we're the ones that are going to make the impact on the sport you know people like yourself andrew who are you know directly promoting and you know doing what you're doing with the wmbf uk and you know trying to grow it and making efforts to to do it and to legitimize the sport you kind of touched on that about making it legitimate um and appear legitimate and it is legitimate so um yeah i think i think those are all all great things keeps connecting oh, yeah. and disconnecting I, I on me. Try right. and come back in that point. all right I, so we'll finish this up real quick then yeah go ahead Dan. okay i was just saying like one of the, the things that we want to do and it's i don't know if we we, we want to support it you know but every time you cast a dollar like i said and it's a good point it's all to do with sort of free market economics you, you cast a vote so if, if something's not any good then you we shouldn't be propping it up at the uh, the end of the day. So if it's if it's an organization that's lax in the drug testing, then we shouldn't be turning a blind eye to it uh, if, if they're not supporting that. Or the stage isn't looking the best, or they give out cheap trophies, or they treat us all like rubbish. Then like we shouldn't be propping those things up. And like that's the classic: people vote with their feet, and they go where they feel welcome, and they they go where they get a good experience, and they think it's legit, and that's 
one thing that we always try and uh, try and do. And if more people maybe did that, then we we maybe and it would grow ethically. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we we again we'd grow because it's classic market economics. Like the market decides what's what's the best, mm-hmm. or the government Absolutely. comes in and regulates. <laughs> <Tell> <laughs> Do don't speak about. those don't speak yeah, those naughty yeah. words <laughs> forget you're american right. we won't we won't get lost in another rabbit hole here well andrew i want to thank you on behalf of all of us that that i think that was a really good conversation i know we could talk for forever about any different topic yep um but i think that's a that's a really good summary of kind of where you guys have been where you're going as an organization and where the whole sport kind of hopefully will be going in the future with maybe some topics on, on how that can happen. So just very briefly, if people aren't aware, um, where can people follow you in your journey, whether it's with the WMBF or your own athletic journey? Of course. So if you want to follow the WMBF, check us out. It's at WMBF underscore UK. I'm sure if you type in WMBF, you can find us. You can check out our website, www.wmbfuk.com. Also, check myself out, my own athletic journey. I'm fueled by Scott Soltz on the gram, and I run Pro Prep Coaching. We had 30 athletes last year competing. Got our 30 athletes this year competing. I'm surprised I've even got any hair with all the stuff that I do, but I'm not tearing it out. But yeah, you can follow us uh, on there in the journey and, and the athletes getting ready this year. So uh, I've got a guy in a show just now, actually. I need to give him a call after this and see who's getting on. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Thank it's you, been a Andrew. pleasure. Good talk about you. Yeah. So that wraps it up for the latest episode of the Nanny News Daily Podcast. If you like the content, give us a like, subscribe, follow, membership on the site, yada, yada, all the fun stuff, right? Have a good one, guys.